you're listening to episode 26 of Daisy Geek Girls. I'm Swapna Krishna. And I'm Preeti Chibber, and we are recording on Saturday, April 28th. Okay, Ooh. so we have a big episode. Yeah, it's, it's been a minute. Life has been crazy, yeah. so now we're here with a lot to talk about. And so we're going to get into a lot of stuff, so this is going to be an extra long episode. We will timestamp stuff so you can skip if you're not interested, um, but okay, I guess let's just get into it. Yeah, so one thing we wanted to mention, we talked about how, I think a couple episodes ago, about how um, this fall there are a lot of South Asians who are going to be on television, and we are super excited about it. Um, but Vanity Fair actually came out with an article that lists out a lot of the shows, so we're going to link to that in the show notes so you guys have a um, a primer that you can look at and, and read through because it's it's so many people. I'm so excited. It's so many people, and it's really nice that it's getting attention of a place like Vanity Fair. Yes. Like, Vanity Fair is huge, and of mm-hmm. course, it's by a South Asian. Um, Sulagna Misra, I think that's right. Yes, it. yes. Um, but, which is, like, great, like, you know, highlighting our own community, you and I do that a lot. But it's nice that they thought it was mainstream enough to run it as a yeah. very, like, big, like, it's a big article. And so, I don't know, it's really nice. It is really nice. It makes me feel warm inside. <laughs> like... Yay. Um, and semi-related, so we also talked about the problem with Apu, the Hari Kondabolu <laughs> documentary that came out a couple of months ago. Um, and he's got a Netflix special coming out, like, next week, yeah, right? In, in early May. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just keep um, out for that, everybody. It's like, warn your relatives or don't tell your relatives or something like, like that. Um, but, so the Simpsons responded by writing an episode in which they basically decimated Lisa's character Lisa Simpson has been the I, she has been the social justice warrior on the Simpsons the entire run um and in this episode Marge reads a story to her but then tries to take out all the problematic pieces of that story and the story sort of dies and becomes this like bland thing and Lisa's like well how could we do this you know basically saying that we shouldn't edit ourselves because of something is problematic and then there's a photo of Apu on her desk stand or her nightstand or whatever. And she and Marge like look directly into the camera <laughs> and are kind of like, what? And you're like, oh, so that's, that's your response. Cool. That's cool, your cool. response. Yeah. Cool, 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 it's t- cool. It was, it was like extremely shitty. Like it's just, it's just lazy. It's lazy. Yeah. And it's unrealistic that that character would ever have that point of view. Like, if this storyline was happening on The Simpsons, Lisa would have been the one starting the petition to like yeah. get better representation. So that yeah. pissed a lot of people off. Yeah. But then uh, like two nights ago, Hank Azario was on one of the late shows, I think maybe Colbert. And he actually said something really thoughtful, which was, You know, if they want to change the character, if they want to hire someone new to voice the character, um, he totally understood because he was looking at the pain that this that has been caused to this community, to South Asians in America, especially like kids growing up. And that's the joke you heard, right? Mm -hmm. The thank you come again over and over in that awful accent. Um, But the thing he said that I loved was that he was like, and we need representation in the writer's room and not 
as yeah. tokens, but as actual writers who influence story and have a voice. I don't know if that's like just him trying to ride the wave of good, like of making people feel good or like whatever, but I appreciated it being said. Yeah, I, I did too, very much. It was, it was, a, it was very simple what he said, mm-hmm. but it was profound. Like it was yeah. impactful. Um, and I think we should also just shout out really quick. I've read some kind of reaction pieces from young South Asian Americans whose parents did own yes. convenience stores and who are like, well, up who did represent me. And it's just, it's, I think it's arguable that Apu is not good representation of that kind of right. store owner or shop owner. I think like that is kind of part of our point. That being said, I think that point of view is worth mentioning and we'll link to maybe one of those articles in the show notes because I think it is worth reading some of that to understand yeah. that this is a complicated, nuanced issue. South Asians are not a monolith as mm-hmm. any minority group is not a monolith. We cannot speak for every South Asian person. And I think it's, I think sometimes our own community forgets that, um, uh, like in a lot of cases we're going like we're, our community is kind of going through, a, I don't know, identity crisis in terms of figuring out pains. who we are at a, as a community. Yeah. And like, yeah, and it's, so, I think we did mention when we talked about the problem with Apu that something that we noticed was mm-hmm. that no, he, he interviewed sort of like what people think of as Indian people, which are kind of not the blue collar workers that Apu is actually supposed to meant to represent. Um, And so it's been heartening to see people who come from that background, speak up and talk about it. Um, It doesn't just, it doesn't in any way diminish or invalidate the, the, the the pain that people have felt. Yes. But it's another perspective. It also doesn't change the fact that, like when when the when the accent is the butt of the joke, right? Is that is not good representation? Like right. that is not good. Like you can slice and dice any way you want. When that is not no good representation. That being said, if people saw themselves, felt themselves being seen through Apu, I don't want to diminish that either. Right. So it's a complicated. Yeah, issue. it is a complicated issue. Um, I do. Well, so we'll link to that thread, but I. Uh, yeah. Imran Siddiqui also wrote a really good piece like months and months and months ago on, uh, I think it was called The Real Springfield. And I will definitely link to that too because it is it is really well done about what it was like growing up yeah. as a South Asian kid in, in a very um, white and non-South Asian uh, community. Um, yeah. The lots of reading for you for you listeners say, today. We're Sorry, gonna like, we're gonna have like a two-hour show and then give you guys an hour of reading homework. Right. Sorry, <laughs> but that like, was that was that. It's like a whole saga that it that we've been following and and watching, and so definitely wanted I mean, to share with you. Interesting because our community doesn't have these discussions very often because as a like as a like creative community who thinks about these issues, we're pretty young. Right. Um, and so I think it's super interesting to watch these growing pains, even if it's sometimes painful personally to see people misunderstanding or people, you know, like it's, it can be, or people, it can be painful to go through it, but at the same time, I think it's really interesting and I'm glad we're doing it. Yes. Um, okay. So the next one is Gavya Baker. And I'm sorry, I pronounced that like an Indian and it's it's probably not. Yeah. And every time I say it, I laugh at myself because anyway, sorry, 
Gavia Baker-Whitlaw, who writes at The Daily Dot, um, wrote a great article, which I will also link to in the show notes, <laughs> on um, uh, the mini dresses in Star Trek and kind of the history of mini dresses in Star Trek. And specifically, her angle is that um, men have worn the mini dresses in the past. That's a product of the next generation. Um the mini dress in the next generation did not last very long. It was, um, you know, made popular by Uhura on the original series, of course. Um, and then Troy wore it for a couple of episodes and then it kind of disappeared. But in those few episodes that it did exist, you saw men wearing them too. Mm-hmm. So she makes an argument because it looks like they're bringing them back in Discovery um, because Discovery met. No. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you why, but it looks like they're bringing them back in Discovery because <laughs> uh, a lot of people haven't seen the first season yet, and so and that's a spoiler. So anyway, bringing them back in Discovery, and um, she argues that they should be unisex still, which I 100% agree with, and I would love to see some men wearing the mini dress. It's a really well argued article. It's fun to read. Like I definitely recommend it. Although if you have not watched the end of Star Trek Discovery yet, there, I mean, it's premise, there is a spoiler that, I mean, this is a show, I mean, this is one of those shows that's really hard to talk about without spoiling. So (laughs) take that what you will. All right. They also released the Crazy Rich Asians trailer. (gasps) Exciting. It's very exciting because the last time I can remember, I mean, people brought up um, Joy Luck Club as the last time there was an all-Asian cast, but I remember when Better Luck Tomorrow came out about 15 years ago, maybe, it's somewhere around there, it's like 2002, 2003, 2004, somewhere around there. Um, I remember that coming out and what a big deal it was. It was Justin Lin, um, it was like a heist movie, um, Justin Lin, who is of the Fast and the Furious franchise. Um, and Star Trek. He did and, the latest Star Trek movie. And Star Trek. It's really good. A, br- a bridging of our interests. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Lin represents the, the middle of the Venn diagram. Well, to be fair. <laughs> for this I conversation. Also, I was going to say, I also adore Fast and the Furious. <laughs> but it is, um, it was a movie that came out in, 2000, in the early 2000s. And I remember the conversation around that being like, we have to go see this movie because if it doesn't succeed, we're not going to get a movie like this for a yeah. long time. And it didn't necessarily succeed. It didn't bring in the box office numbers that it needed to. And so now it's been 15 years. And we're getting a kind of a rom-com, like, not specifically, like, about pain or about representation. Like, this movie is is going to be fun. It's just yeah. going to be fun, you know? I'm really excited about it. I am super excited about it. Constance Wu has been an amazing advocate and an amazing actress in the community for a long time. And so it's going to be fun to see her kind of get her due. People are, they screened it in LA like a week ago and the reviews have been wonderful from everyone who's seen it. Like I cannot wait for August. The book is like really fun. You know, it's Kevin Kwan. It's, it's, it's a beach read, but we should be allowed to have beach. I was going to say, Asians don't have beach reads. We don't. We have, arranged marriage and anger and, and kidnapping and sadness and, and like, widows throwing themselves on fire and like, and like identity crises like this is just a fun beach yeah. raid yeah <laughs> i'm i'm really excited I, i'm do we know when it comes out it's august 
August. Okay. I don't remember the exact date. But. August is. I was just wondering, like month, like if we mm, knew. Yeah, or... it's it's a few months away. Um, even though some people have already seen it. Yeah, mm. I, yeah, I saw that. I was rude. And August seventeenth. That's when it comes the, out. The discussions within the, and they'll keep going through the movie and after, um, within the Asian community are really interesting mm-hmm. in terms of does it represent, because the problem with this movie now is. Oh, it's a bunch it, of like rich Asian people in, in Singapore and it is not representative of the diversity or, within yeah. the Asian community at all. And so <laughs> this is the problem like we run into, like it is, like I said, growing pains, especially because like it is very much an East Asian movie, not a South Asian movie. Mm-hmm. But like, for example, there are so many rich, rich South Asian people in Singapore yep. who are not depicted on screen. So like, it's just, I think this is the first step. This is not the end all be all. This is not going to be the only kind of movie we get, but I think we need to kind of band together and support it, even if we find it imperfect in well, some one way or another. Right? That's the key of we need something to succeed so we can have more. Because yeah. If, like if these things don't succeed, they'll never do anything else. Yeah. The more success that exists. And obviously if it's terrible and it's just really like, shitting on Asian people, then no, like, we don't have to. But if it's imperfect and not exactly representative... Yeah. Yeah, like, fine. I don't need this movie to be, like... Like, there there are no South Asians in this movie. Yeah. There are no South Asians in this book. They are not represented in this Still gonna go support it. Still gonna go see it, you know? Because it's an important step. And I think, I think there is a... Like, this was a problem when, I think it was Jenny Han, was it Jenny Han's trilogy? Oh, yeah, yes, I love you. Was it, there was a YA trilogy where the main character was one ethnicity and an Asian person of a different ethnicity was cast. Mm -hmm. And And I I don't remember the details, I'm telling this poorly, but the idea is, like, the author got on Twitter, I remembered a bunch of YA brothers were pleading, don't, not watch it. If you love this book. Don't boycott the movie because of this issue. Like, I had no control over this. Like, I argued it didn't work, but she's really good. And, like, please. And it's, like, really sad that it's, like, oh, if it's not perfect, we're going to throw. Like, really? We're going to throw it away. Like, what media has been perfect so far? Like, you love imperfect media already. Right. Let's not demand perfection. Let's demand, like, we can't. Perfection is an unrealistic standard. We can demand growth, but we have to have steps to get there. Yeah. Um, And if you. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's it's a little frustrating sometimes. Um, not to say everybody has to watch everything or support everything, but, no. you know, it's this is a part of the process. We're not yeah. in a position in which we have so many shots that we can, like, expect everything to be, every, every piece of media to be everything for every single person. It can't do it. And everything is going to be broken a little bit because we're not in a space where there are enough voices being heard to be able to tell those stories. And the only way we're going to get to that point where there are a lot of voices being heard, if movies like this succeed and we get more movies like this and they'll hire more actors or hire people behind the camera. Like it's just, it's a, so anyway, that, you know, (laughs) that's our little plea. I know that's our (laughs) our rant. Sorry. Didn't mean to go there. I just wanted to point that out because like it is worth like keeping paying attention to these representation discussions and why stuff like this is imperfect. But that doesn't mean you don't support the movie. That just means you recognize it's not perfect. And you say that's okay. Because what is? Um, 
Okay, so let's talk about fun thing now. Oh my gosh. Not that the rest of this hasn't been fun, but we got a little serious but there. This, this is like for real the thing where Savita and I sort of lost it this week. Um, yes. io9 announced the next animated Star Wars television show, and it's Star Wars Resistance. Yes. And it takes place before the lead up to The Force Awakens. I guess Lucasfilm announced it and they had it under embargo. Anyway, that was the first, that was the first place I saw it. And I sent it to Preeti on Gchat and was like, oh my God. And then I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Okay, so it's the lead up to The Force Awakens. It's going to be done in anime style, which I'm super excited about because I freaking love anime. And I'm assuming maybe incorrectly, who knows, but that makes me think of like, Avatar The Last Airbender and like stuff like that which I also absolutely adore um I'm not a huge fan of anime style I'm not not excited about it because of that like I'm of course still excited but I'm very interesting to see how they incorporate this Mm -hmm. um so reading from io9 resistance will follow a young pilot named Kazuda Ziono recruited by General Leia Organa's burgeoning resistance for a top-secret surveillance mission to survey the growing power of the First Order. The series, the series will focus on Kazuda and a cast of ace pilots, but will also feature familiar faces from the sequel trilogy in the form of BB-8, Poe Dameron, and Captain Vasma. Oscar Isaac and Gwendolyn Christie are actually going to come in and, and voice for this yeah. series. So... The 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 question is, it, it's it's set in an uncharted time frame prior to the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. What time frame? Like because you can't do it too early because Luke will still be around. You um, can't do it too late. Like I mean, I guess you could do it a little later, but is it still burgeoning like fifteen years after the Resistance? Was, I mean, because it's. Poe and Phasma are there, it's got to be closer to the beginning of Force Awakens yeah, than the yeah. end of Jedi, right? So we, I think it's fair to assume that Luke's Jedi Academy has already been destroyed and Kylo Ren, or like Ben Solo has fallen. Probably. Because be I guess. just, I could not see them having the Academy and still, yeah. Although... We know that all I want, all I want to see is a moment of Ahsoka Tano mm-hmm. meeting Luke and Leia and talking yes. about Anakin and Padme. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's all I want. I agree. That's all I, I want. Agree. And it I would agree. be nice, like, so nice to see that happen. But this time frame does allow the possibility of Ahsoka to return. Yes. Even we, with Ezra, possibly. Right, because we don't know... Last we know is she and Sabine go off to try to find Ezra. Yeah. And so, and that's post-Return of the Jedi, even. Yep. So, so, this does, a, I feel like, yeah. This does open a lot of doors, and I'm so excited they're finally moving past the original trilogy. Because there's a lot of story to tell in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I just, I really, really, really am excited about this. Yeah, me too. And it's in the fall. It's not that far away, you know? It's like no, it's four not. five months away. Um, I can't wait to see something from this. I just want to know what's going to happen. 
And so Dave Filoni is executive producing who has, we've talked about him before on the podcast. He was behind Clone Wars and Rebels. I'm really excited to see what he does kind of now that he has told a complete story with Clone Wars and Rebels. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see him move on to something new. I think we'll see a lot of familiar faces, hear familiar voices just because it's Dave Filoni and he loves making callbacks. Um, I think it's also likely we'll see some Jedi and Force stuff because Dave Filoni clearly loves that stuff. Right. I'm okay with that, though. I'm okay with... I know there are people who are like, I don't want this to have anything to do with the Force. I don't want it to have anything to do with Jedi. It's like, fine. I get that. I get it. But I love that stuff. I love seeing how it evolves and how it's engaged with by, by society. And, you know, we know that in The Force Awakens, it's all become lore. Where people are like, there's no such thing as that, Jennifer, blah, 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 you know, in that in that yeah. brief period of time, in that 15 years, um, it's become sort of legend. And yeah. so I want to know how that happens. I want to know how, especially when you have people, it's not that long a time, like Poe's mother fought in the Battle of Endor. Well, but also... The, it was legend during the original trilogy exactly, too. The right. question is, did it, did it make a resurgence and then kind of fall back into legend because it didn't persist, or you know, with Jet Luke's Jedi Academy and stuff, or did has it did it just kind right. of fade away, like it's continue so, to fade away? Right. It's so interesting. I but it's also remember. really the potential to bring characters from the expanded universe into mm-hmm. a TV show. Iden Versio, who if you haven't played Battlefront, um, the game. I'm not good. I'm just going to be frank. I'm terrible at first person shooters. I'm terrible at them. Yep. So I don't really like the game. Um, I know a lot of people love it and that's okay. Uh, th- that's personal for me. I'm just bad at it. But the story mode's a lot of fun. Um, it's really short, but it's a lot of fun. And Iden Versio is such a good character. We could see her again. We could see uh, Ray Sloan, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible that, because we don't know kind of what happens to her after the events of Chuck Wendig's trilogy aftermath or uh, the aftermath trilogy. Like we kind of know, but we, there, there's a lot of possibilities for interesting characters from the expanded universe to come back. Yep. Just make their, make their debut like Sienna Ree and Thane from um, Lost Star. Like there's a lot of potential here. I'm so excited about it. I just can't wait. I know. I'm and there's good, so uh, there's, there's good like represent. It looks like, I mean, we can't, speak to that yet but yeah like, like the the other voice actors that they have listed um christopher sean who is um who who i really really love because he played bingley in the lizzie bennett diaries um but he's asian american and is a voice for asian representation um in television i think he's on days of our lives right now Susie mcgrath scott lawrence myrna velasco Josh Brenner, Donald Faison. Oh my God, I can't yes. believe I forgot to mention Donald Faison. Yeah. Oh I, my God, did you see Tia Sarkar's tweet? No. She was like, "Congratulations to my TV husband's other husband." Oh, because like, stop. I was like, crap. Yeah, I was I like, oh, I sent it to Preeti, and then I forgot. Uh, so Donald Faison, who you may all remember from Scrubs and Clueless. Um, he also voiced the Black Stormtrooper in, he had a YouTube series about the Black Stormtrooper, but also in um, the Robot Chicken Star Wars specials, which I unabashedly adore. Uh, so he's been doing Star Wars voices forever, but I'm so excited for him to be like canon in a Star Wars 
something, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I freaking love Donald Faison. I love him so much. I'm so excited about this. Uh, and then Bobby Monahan from SNL, Jim Rash, and Rachel Butera. So basically, it seems like the main character is Asian. I think so. I think that's I, what it seems like. Um, we'll see how they actually how it all actually falls out once. But these series, these these um, shows have been pretty good about representation. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to see. And um, they're good about story, which is what I'm really yeah. excited about. They're good about like it doesn't feel. I've never felt while while watching these the arcs that happen in the in Clone Wars or in Rebels that it's um what's the word like not excessive but uh unnecessary yeah well some of the Jar Jar Binks episodes, I was maybe. gonna say that but then I was like I said yeah. those anyways cause... but no I agree like especially in Rebels the storytelling is so good so like strong. if you just watch it from beginning to end like mm-hmm. I binge watched it before the fourth season I've mentioned that and the storytelling is like even like my husband who is not he is a Star Wars fan he likes Star Wars like um he but he was really into it's kind of one of those things like he was really really into it into kid got into the expanded universe and all that and he's just like I can't get sucked in as an adult because it will take up all my time which I get like that's how I feel about the Star Trek expanded universe that's why I've never like really read many of the books or anything like just because it's too big mm-hmm. and I am impulsive and I will try to do all of it mm-hmm. um but so um, but yeah, so he, but he, I like made him sit down and watch it with me, and he was like, "Oh my god, this is like really good storytelling." I'm like, "I know, like, it's, <laughs> it's so good. Like, how can you I not know? <laughs> like, it's like he's surprised I have good taste." Like, oh <laughs> um, I, that. I know, God, but. Uh, but yeah, so we're really excited about Star Wars Resistance. Excited about Re- Star Wars Resistance. It's only a few months away, so we'll um, I'm getting, sure we'll be getting I, more. A teaser at some point. Yeah, soon-ish. I'm sure we'll be getting more. Also, like you know, they've been working on this for a while. Yeah, because they've had they've had Rebels well, in the can for a while. At, at the like Rebels, Rebels, the the talk they did, the panel they did at Lucasfilm. Yeah. Um, Donald Faison was in the audience yes. and got up and asked Filoni, like, what's the next thing you're working on? And I'm I like, you, the Rebels you finale knew. Speaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, screening. I love it. Uh, um, all right, so. Okay, so I guess now we'll get into Infinity War. We're going to get into the meat of this episode, so. I don't think we're just going to start straight off with spoilers. I don't think there's, this is such a hard film to talk about. Yeah, I like, don't. I don't think you can talk about it without getting into spoilers. I feel like everyone, when you, so I saw it Thursday night, you saw it last night. Um, when you asked me, Swabna on Wednesday was like, just tell me if you liked it. That's all I want to know. Like yeah. the next day, like that's it. Two and, things I was like, I want to know if you liked it and does it end on a cliffhanger? Because right. I like to prepare myself for right. that if it does. And but it's so. funny, on Thursday, on Friday morning, um, when you were like, did you like it? And I paused because I was like, yeah, how do I answer this question? Yeah, because it's a hard question to answer for a movie like this. So we're just going to if you haven't seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, turn it off. Yeah, (laughs) I think that's that's the bottom line. Fast forward to the end of the timestamp. We'll put a timestamp for when we talk about the like when we do our wrap up and talk about what we're into and stuff. Um, 
but fast forward if you don't want to be spoiled because here like, there are gonna... be spoilers. Okay, so when you when I asked you what you thought of it with without spoiling it, you told me I loved parts of it and I hated parts of it. I did. And I feel the same way. Okay, so also we should also mention this is the first time that Preeti and I are doing a discussion on um, a movie like this where we haven't talked about it beforehand. Yeah. Because I like I literally I got out of my screening at like 11 p.m. last or my uh, the movie at 11 p.m. last night and like went to bed. And, like, we have not talked about it. And so, like, this is really going to be interesting to see. <laughs> yeah. Usually I, we, like, kind of know what what each other liked and so what they what we didn't. So what to kind of focus on. Um, and here we don't. Nope. So not at all. Okay. So what – I'm just going to say it. I hated Thanos. We spent <laughs> way too much time with Thanos. Like, I'm like, you have this ensemble movie with so many characters I like. Why am I spending 45 minutes of it following this guy? I I agree. I think they benefited because I thought Josh Brolin was actually really good. I, I agree. Thought, like, he was compelling in a way I did not think was possible. Right? And I thought that the CGI was kind of amazing. Like, it yeah. never felt fake it never felt too cartoony even though he looks ridiculous like it's a ridiculous character design to yeah. make real but they to have like it. walking around like if it's on yeah. the throne it's one thing but to have just like walking around he and looks like being human you know yeah. very human in his emotions and it was that they they benefited from that because there are points at which I if it had been a lesser quality CGI or if it had been a lesser actor I would have been like oh my god but yeah. because it wasn't I still think it was too much I was just I was we like, spent too much like yeah let me adjust it's not that I hated the character it's, him, it's himself they actually did a relatively good job making him not sympathetic because they never hide right. the fact that he's a genocidal maniac but right. just more interesting than he appe- has appeared yes, previously I agree um but that being said like and I understand why they had to sideline him for the majority of the film because you can't, he's too powerful. Like even at the beginning of the movie, too powerful. He's too powerful. Yeah. Like for Thor and like, you know, for the most powerful Avenger, he's too, and like two most powerful Avengers, like Hulk and Thor, he's too right. powerful. It was, so they had to sideline him. But like we just spent way too much time. But that time meant there was a lot of like freaking monologuing and like, yeah. it's too yes. much monologue. We get it. I don't know how I feel about the his um motivation like this idea that he wants to save the world by deleting half of it yeah um, you know i'm like yeah. okay yeah. fine you needed him to have a reason to exist and to be it's a stupid gen- reason it's, it's not it's, it's not mean, a compelling reason right like revenge would have been a lot more of a compelling yes. reason that i'm trying to save the universe right it's like freaking tony stark in the civil war comics yes like, yes. it's just like, really? Right. I didn't love it. I felt like they lost an opportunity to... It... Mm. They've had such great villains in the past three Marvel movies. Like, in um, Vulture, I thought was an amazing villain. Um, Eric Killmonger was an amazing oh villain. God. Like... They've had really, really, really compelling villains. And so Thanos sort of comes up a little short when you've seen how you can make a villain that you're kind of like, 
what makes those Marvel villains so good is it takes you a minute to be like, do I disagree with you? Yes. I don't, I don't know that I do. With like Killmonger, especially like, or like with like, you know, Vulture, even if you know they're wrong in the way they're, they're approaching right, their revenge, mm-hmm. you, they're, they're the core reasoning, like they're both screwed. Like it yes. was terrible. Both of them, like it's terrible. And it's just like with, I almost, I wanted more of a motivation from Thanos. Yes, I agree. So that was, that was a little bit of a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. And just like, like I said, I mean, I've said this like four times already, but like we spent, this was a character or this was a movie with so many, like I was so, I love these big ensemble films. I know some people hate them. I absolutely adore the big ensemble films because I love part of like the magic for Marvel with me is how they cast so many people with such great chemistry. Right. Besides Scarlet Witch and the Vision, who have no chemistry. But uh, <laughs> there's so, like, I love that. And, like, to take a movie with this many characters I like and to make me spend so much of it with someone I just don't give a fuck about. Yeah, yeah. I, I was agree. just like, really? Like, well, really? Yeah, because then what you had was so, I want to talk about Thor because I really <laughs> thought. Oh, I. <laughs> So I'm gonna just hold on. Sona just got so excited. She took a sip of her coffee and almost spit it out. I that did, was amazing. Okay, you guys all know at this point my deep dark secrets and my deep dark love for Thor too. Like you all know, I think how much I love Thor. He's been my favorite Avenger for a long time. Thor, that's the thing is, like I think that Thor has been fine for me. He really like yeah. Taika Waititi really pulled the like best Funny. parts of him yeah. out. In and I'm Ragnarok. glad they continued that because it was very much a yes. Taika Waititi inspired. Thor. But with, yeah. so the I I do want to talk about that first scene. We're not going to go scene by scene with this because the movie's just too big. But I want to talk about that intro. Yeah, just, we all knew that somebody was going to die in the first 20 minutes. My guess, I had thought Vision because he's only in like one scene in the trailer. The soul, like the not the soul, the the Mind Stone or what? Right? It's the Mind Stone. Yeah. Um, that Thanos pulls out. I was like, he's totally dying in the first 20 minutes. But My guess was Loki. So, that first scene, which is just after the events of Ragnarok, um, half of the population is dead. Thanos and his team are standing on the ship. Uh, which is busted. among bodies. Yeah. yeah, just standing among bodies. Um, Although the distress call at the beginning of the movie does say that some of the some of I them have escaped. I think it's about half so of I them. Think, yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think so. That so I think that's it's fair to assume Valkyrie that Tessa Thompson and, is still alive yes. and like stuff stuff like that. Yeah, um, because they would have sent off some heroes with the other the yeah. uh, the other team. But you see in the sequence where Thor is beaten, basically, like Thanos beats the shit out of him yeah. Thanos beats the shit out of Hulk and takes which is yeah which is that's terrifying. a shocking like people gasped in the theater yep um uh, I'm a little sad to see Heimdall go but I oh that was actually harder for me that was the hardest death for me I, actually yeah I was mm, that wasn't the hardest death for me but it was one that I was like yeah really like come on We'll talk about the later deaths. Yeah. Um, because I had, by then I was just like, there's like, 
just yeah i'll say really quickly but when gamora died i was like all right we're retconning this somehow because we know there's a guardians 3 coming we know there's a guardians 3 coming but i was also super mad about that like we'll talk about that because i was like you fucking fridged her like that's some bullshit but Um, but mm. like and so by then and then all the deaths that came after that i was kind of like whatever this is all getting somehow well Everything, all of the ones are like, but But, like Black Panther, Spider Man, -Man. like, yeah, they're not gonna. Anybody, they've hinted very strongly that there might be a second Doctor Strange movie. Like, there's just too much money to be made. Yeah, like they're not. This is not gonna stick. And so that's why I felt like it started feeling kind of cheap to me. Yes, and manipulative because I knew that. Well, that being. As a movie, I don't think we're going to be able to really judge it until the second half comes out. I was going to say, this it is not a complete movie. This is half a film. Like, yeah. there is no closure. Like, yeah. it is half a movie. I'm so glad you answered. Because I basically what I told Preeti is, like, no matter what questions I ask, besides how did you like it, don't answer them. But then the next day I was like, did it end on a cliffhanger? Please actually tell me. <laughs> and she told me. And I'm so glad I did because I needed to prepare myself for yeah. like, we're not going to get any closure. None. And I did. And I think that's why my reaction to it, I didn't like, I, I liked this movie. Like I didn't absolutely adore it, but I liked it. I thought it was well done. They did such a good job besides the, my Thanos complaint. They did such a good job balancing that many characters, which as we've seen in age of Ultron can be a really big mess. I don't and know. I, th- I don't know if I agree. <laughs> I was going to say Pretty has that look on her face, but uh, <laughs> I think that with the number of characters they had to, like, cram on screen, I think they did a good job balancing, like, giving us a little bit of each of them. So, we got more of, them, more of some, less of some. But, all right, so here's what I'm going to say. Is the, reason, the reason I brought up Thor and the first scene is because I think this was a Thor movie. Yeah, because Thor is the only character in this movie that has a full story that actually has character development in it, that has a full plot that runs through. Like Thor has the Thor part of this movie actually is sort of a full movie. It's not a happy movie, part of the movie, but it's a full movie. And Chris Hemsworth is amazing. My my pirate angel really 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 sings in this movie my I think my favorite scene might be the one where he's talking about loss with Rocket yeah because I think they did such a good job with him like you know he feels it you know he's feeling like I went through like he's been through a lot in the past couple of weeks this guy yeah because like this takes place right after Thor Ragnarok like this guy he's lost everything and right. he could see that simmering anger underneath. Right. So but it's, he it's, doesn't I'm getting, let it consume him. I have goosebumps. Like, yeah, look, like actual goosebumps. He's, he's so, he's so, so because good. Because in like, that sequence with Loki, when Loki dies, when you are still sort of like, is Loki, are we, are we going back to our classic Loki, right? Of mm-hmm. just trying to survive, just trying to get ahead. And you see it in Thor's eyes, too. Like, Loki gives him the Tesseract, and then he steps out of the shadows after the Hulk is gone, and he says, I can be your guide to Earth. And there's a moment as the audience, and I think in Thor, where you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Is Loki going to join Thanos? And then he sees the sword come out. 
And then I, but when he sees the sword come out, I'm like, no, just like fool him. Cause you know what's coming. I know. Him. And then when Tom Hiddleston dies, when Loki dies and you see the anguish on Chris Hemsworth's like in his eyes, cause he's wrapped in that metal thing or whatever. It was like so heartbreaking yeah. to watch. And like, I'm kind of excited for the potential because yes, Loki's die, but like Loki dies, but Loki as a character has died many times in the comics. Yeah. And I want them to bring him back as a, as an actress. I want them to hire a woman oh, to play be Loki because awesome. Loki is gender fluid. He goes back and forth. He, he goes constantly is shifting. He's both Thor's brother and sister and everything yeah. in between. Right. So pull like hire an actress to play Loki, bring her back. Um, I, think Loki, I will say, I think Loki and Heimdall's deaths are permanent. I think the Vision's death is permanent. I think I, the rest yeah. of them. I would think Gamora's death was permanent, except for the fact I know they have to have her in Guardians 3, and they're not going to do that movie without her. Well, um, but I think any of the deaths at the, like the, 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 you know, I'm making a hand motion here, the fading away, like Voldemort style death. Yeah, all of anybody who died that way, I think is, there's, a, there, there's, a potential at least for, for them, them to, to come return. back. Yeah, I agree. Um, because it, that's not real. Okay, so Kevin Feige, Feige, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know how you say, say his name. Anyway, producer. He um, has said that the deaths in this movie are not comic book deaths. They're really dead. Um, and so, like, it's kind of like, well, how do you work around that to... And do you define erasing, erasing someone as death? I do not. And exactly. so I think these people were erased. Were they were they sent to a different reality? Because that's what, they... what Thanos says is it's not he says something like it's not death, it's they literally cease to exist. Yeah. Like And then like like so with Doctor Strange, um you know there's a plan there. Because of the way he gives up the time story. He doesn't yeah. give a fuck about Tony. Well, he says Let's there's face it. 14 like, million ways to win this. And, and only one. And only and he one. Doesn't, he doesn't look happy when he says there's only one. Like, no. he doesn't look like, oh, we have a way forward. He's like, this is going to be brutal. Yeah. And I think this is the way forward. Like, mm -hmm. whatever. However, um, I think this is part of his part of the plan. And um, now that the infinite are the infinite is it just the gauntlet that's melted or the infinity stones I themselves i couldn't tell at the end what was damaged and what wasn't yeah um, like thanos is clearly kind of fucked up but like yeah um Ugh, that was such a good moment though i'm sorry i just have to bring it back because the moment thor comes hurtling with the fucking like stormbreaker yeah, axe he is the mvp carries it into his chest you really do as a second for the as the audience be like Oh my gosh! Did it like how? Did it work? Did, yeah. Did he do it? And then when he says you should have aimed for the head, my heart like drops yeah. through my stomach of like, oh god damn it! <laughs> but I think it's I think it's worth mentioning that Thor, Cap, Tony, Hulk, the all Black Widow, all the original Avengers were spared. Yes. So like clearly the next movie is going to be like the last team up of the original Avengers. Right. And Which, to like like and like it's there's a lot of ways they can fix this. They could go back in time. Like these people could have been sent to some sort of alternate universe. Right. Like it's not like Ant Man's thing. Like I remember from the trailer the, they're exploring the, some sort of alternate reality. Right. Or like 
the quantum something. It's the 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 tiny pocket universe. Yeah. Yeah. There's, and so, like, it's possible. And, like, somebody has, like, like someone had said in an interview that that movie does connect to the events of Avengers 4, which yeah. is, I guess, why they sidelined him in this movie. Um, so, like, yeah, there's uh, so many ways they can, like, comic book fix this. Right. And um, because, you know, the, the after the post credit sequence in which Maria Hill and um, Fury oh, both, both ash out of existence... Yeah. Fury presses the the pager. <laughs> it was a beeper. It looks like the galactic beeper. The galactic beeper and Captain Marvel's insignia yeah. comes up. So clearly, on the thing. she is going to play a big role. And that movie takes place in the nineties, prior to the events of every Marvel movie, and is the Kree War, which is Ronan from the first Guardians movie, who has a deep hatred for Thanos. Mm-hmm. So there's something there. There's a connection there that we don't know yet. Yeah, I'm. I don't necessarily. I'm not sure. I think the Captain Mar- part of the Captain Marvel thing is because Captain Marvel, I think, comes out next February. Yeah. Right. And so, like, I think it's introduced. I'm not sure that I'm. I think the movie will have an importance for, but I think I don't know. It's hard to tell how it's all. It's it's hard to tell basically whether the movie itself or just the introduction of the character will be important for. Well, I think the Avengers Four will be that it's set prior to the events and something yeah. because of the existence of the time stone and the existence of that you Thanos sort of showed us several times in the movie that he can go back in time that he can fix reality whatever something has to happen in the past. That mm-hmm. will fix the events of the future, right? And so um, it's just hard to tell. It's like, and there's tell. a lot of know. ways they can fix it um, without the Infinity. Like, it, the problem is, it's very hard to tell if you don't know if the Infinity Stones have been sidelined or not. Right? It's harder without the Infinity Stones. If they can get their hands on the Time Stone, I mean, then that's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but who knows? It's yeah. Just, oh, um, who have so. Part of the reason I didn't think that it necessarily they did a good job with all of the the cast were that I thought Cap was great. I was surprised at how much time was spent on Scarlet Witch mm-hmm. because mm. I was like, I don't care. Uh, you know, like it. Ha- she is a character I have never cared about because like- they just they wait they they haven't figured out how to write her in a really yeah. compelling way. Because I feel like in Civil War, she's sort of like angry teenager. Um, yeah. Here, she's like... No, I don't even know. I don't yeah. even know how to describe it. But I was just surprised at how much time they spent on her. And like how little time we actually... I wanted more Cap. I wanted, Yeah, I was going to say, that was one thing. Like, you barely saw we Cap. We barely got to get Cap and... Cap and Bucky both. Cap like, and Bucky. Bucky had like six lines. Like, I don't even know. Um, not a ton of Black Widow. And really, the person I thought suffered the most because of this was Mark Ruffalo. He, yeah. Like, Bruce is so one note in this movie. He is like, you know, at the beginning, we get that there's some conflict happening with Hulk where Hulk is, yeah. per, like, upset he was bested by Thanos. But, like, you barely get any of it. So it's a lot of Bruce just sort of wringing his hands, being like, <laughs> you know? And I was like, I need, I need more. From I didn't character. mind the Bruce stuff because I think it shows how, in the end, how dependent he is on Hulk. Oh, and for like, sure. Like, I think I didn't mind. I understand what you're saying, but like, I don't think I minded the 
the I thought he did really well with it and I didn't mind that so much because I think he need like that's a thing like the relationship between Hulk and Bruce is a thing that's been evolving right yeah you know for a long time and so I think it it kind of made think, is Bruce kind of realizing that he does need but yeah but I wanted more of that I just yeah. felt like the the dialogue they gave him and the, it was comic relief it was very comic relief and I feel like yeah. we got more out of him in the like short amount of time that he was in Ragnarok than we did in the entire yeah, Infinity War movie. Fair. So, like, he... And, like, same with, actually, a little bit... We haven't really talked about Spider-Man, and he's my boy. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about him. But, so, you know, Tom Holland is great as Peter Parker. I don't love the suit. I, yeah, I The Iron uh, Spider uh, is not my yeah, favorite suit. Yeah, I, I agree with that. audibly groan when the fucking... Tentacles the, 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 yeah, the, 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 the spider legs. Like, yeah, it was not my favorite, but even he, like, we get this great growth from him in Homecoming, but he's basically, it's, this movie takes place, like, probably a year and a half or so after Homecoming. That sounds right. And he's the same person that he was in Homecoming, yeah. which is fine, but that meant the character just ended up being fine. Like, I liked... I, think, I thought he was I good. I think, though, it is unrealistic to expect character growth in a movie but, with this oh, many no, characters. Oh, no, no, I agree. I didn't need growth like, in I think, the film, but he's the same person he was at the end of Homecoming. Well, so I think it's more he's the, the same person he was in Civil War, and that's a product of the writing time and the fact that the same people responsible for Civil totally. War were responsible for this but movie. But to me, I'm like... You can't, that's a broken product of the way the, mar- yeah, the MCU is working. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, my, I would have wanted more from him to at least, you don't have to give me character growth, because, again, I think Thor is the only person who had any growth I was going to say, and, and Thor clearly was based on Thor Ragnarok. Right. Thor, you know, so right. there was growth. So there was, yeah. there was, maybe yeah. that's what it is, is I saw that they could do it, mm-hmm. and, and that they, didn't. they didn't. For like, and to put him on, I every scene he was in was enjoyable. Like, I didn't, nothing made me mad. I wasn't like, yeah. oh, this is stupid. But it was just like, oh, that death scene was brutal, uh, though. Oh, we're gonna talk about that. What? So, two things. When I was like, oh God, I'm Tony. Is when Tony's like, no more pop culture references. Because I was like, seriously, pull it back, pull it back, Peter. Like, we get it. Um, which is a very Peter Parker thing to do to like push the joke until everyone's like, can you please shut the fuck up? Um, but that death scene. So let me describe my audience. I'm so angry about this. So I usually go see this movie in a different theater. I have my like theater that I like to go to, but I didn't get tickets. So I had to go to the theater that's on like 34th and 7th Avenue. It's super full. It's like crowded as hell and there's this woman sitting about five rows ahead of me maybe six who when the moment you realize that spider-man is next started screech wailing it was like she was at the funeral of her actual son like why 
Ugh! Like, and it ruined the last five minutes of that sequence oh, for every single person. Was, I was gonna say that was actually like I did not by that point like with all these like like ashing I was just like Neh. like I whatever was, like. The, but that one was hard because he was so scared. He's so scared. I'm like, he's, he's such so a he's such a such a kid, still he, a kid, he's like a child. And so when he says like, and it, a lot of people have brought up a Doctor Who comparison because the saddest thing I've ever seen is when David Tennant at the end of his run of Doctor Who, his last line is, "I don't want to go," uh. and it's you. I like ugly cried, and so this that scene was totally ruined, which I was I. I want to see yeah. it again so I can, like, see if I will have the emotions. But I – it was cheapened, I agree with you, by the fact that you're, like, there's a, there's a Homecoming sequel signed up. There's a Black Panther. There was not enough T'Challa in this movie, by the way. No. At all. For and having – Explained one. probably by the fact that no one un- – stupidly realized how big Black Panther would be. Yeah, they you could tell they – because I also know the M'Baku stuff, um, I think, was reshoots. Mm-hmm. Because I think they added him in after the success and yeah. how excited everybody got. Um, but I, lo- I thought Mbaku was great. I thought Winston Duke was oh, amazing. Yeah. I could have, I liked Okay, Okay a lot. Um, Denai, I'm losing her last name now off the top of my head, but she was excellent. But I, again, the sequence where she gets to like actually fight, where it's her and Black Widow going up against the worst CGI in the movie, yeah. which is that yeah. woman. Yep. Um, I wanted her to kick ass, but then Scarlet Witch has to come in and save them, which I was like, what? Okay. Yeah. That sounds fake, but okay, <laughs> you know? Uh, but the, like, there needed to be more, like, yeah. of the Wakandans being the Wakandans we saw in Black Panther. Well, I think if the Wakanda is going to kind of inherit the Avengers mantle, mantle, which I think they are. I think that's a safe assumption. Yeah. Um, yes, I agree. Like I would have liked, they took a very great leadership role. I don't want to fault that, no, but no, like no. I would have, it was, it's like not a thing. I wish the writing had given them more. Exactly. That's thank you. That is what I was trying to say. Um, because they did take a leading role and they took mm-hmm. the brunt of this. Like they, well, that was the thing is like, they, allowed like cap brought the fight to wakanda cap yeah. made the decision of like we're Where going we to wakanda do? like this is the only option we have but it brings the fight to wakanda it puts yeah it puts a lot of hardship on t'challa and his country yeah, and it's like when Umbako says this will be the end of Wakanda, and Okoye is like, then it will be, I don't remember exactly what she said, but like, then it'll be a glorious end. Right, so it's such like great, that. it's such a great... It's, uh, it's, they, they are recognizing that they're the last defense, basically. Yeah, it's, it's like, they're the last, and I, I, I loved it. I thought it was really, um, I thought it was really well done. Mm-hmm. I just wanted... More. More. I wanted more yeah. Shuri, too. Like, I just, I wish, like, they had have like the Thor stuff I really liked. The Guardian stuff was good. Mm-hmm. I wish they'd halved the um halved the um uh the Thanos stuff. Yes. We got half that we and like gotten, added more Wakanda. Right. We could have gotten what we got out of Thanos in forty five minutes that we got we could have had it in fifteen. Yeah. Like he didn't, he didn't need that much screen time. Um so Gamora, who I want to talk about for a minute, 
the reason this is my least favorite part of the movie. I the more I think about it, the more upset I am because of course they're gonna retcon her death. They're gonna figure out. I heard I, I read somewhere someone being like, we think her soul is inside the soul stone, um, because there's there's comic um, precedence for that. But they lost to me at the moment when she and Peter are saying I love you, and she's like, I love you more than anything. I'm like every. Guardians movie, both Guardians movies center on the relationship between um, Gamora and Nebula. Mm -hmm. Nebula is her person. Like, it's about their relationship. So then to make it about Peter felt so, like, weirdly, aggressively, like, needing a hetero romance. Yeah. Even though we have, like, the weird vision and Scarlet Witch stuff and we have the Tony and Pepper stuff, like, that was the, the most, that was, like, I know they've been slow burn building this like romance between Gamora and Peter, but they didn't build it in a way that I was like, in what universe would Gamora not like what in what universe would Nebula not be the one to break that plan? When and- when Peter gets mad when he finds out Gamora died, it would be Nebula who was like who would rage and ruin everything. And I just I don't know. I there were a lot of and I think part of this movie also, I'm going to say something, and part of this movie is everything falling apart. Like yes. their plans, as terrible as they've been, their plans always work. Right. And, and this th- is a movie fine. in which none of their plans work. But like, just, like would Nebula really, or sorry, would Gamora really take Thanos to where the Soul Stone actually was? I, like th- would she, right. or would she, would she like re, like take him somewhere and then let him kill? Like it's just right. What could he like? I don't know. No, like, it's I just, agree. That she was... just becomes very passive, and yeah, that is she, not that killed me. Is like I just feel like they the character we know they did a disservice to her character. Yeah, we don't really get to see her like kick ass in the way that we have been able to see her in the Guardians movies. Um, I actually did really like seeing her cry when she killed Thanos, though. Totally. Like it shows, it yes. shows how complicated yes. and fucked up a relationship we she has with him. Like this may be the man who killed all my people and killed my family, but he's, but he's my also father. the only father I've ever right. like really known. I agree with you. I just um, I wish thought that was really well done. Yes, it was just um, undercut, and that was kind you. of her la- last good moment. Right, and then it was undercut by the Peter relationship. The 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 quill relationship stuff because i was like i was taken out of that scene the minute she goes i love you more than anything and i'm like that's not true i know it's not true like like we've been given six hours of movie telling us it's not true to the point where like when she sees nebula being tortured like fine i can see how she would be like i don't want him to kill nebula so I will take him to the soul stone. Like, it's not about her own yeah, yeah, anything. It's about saving Nebula. Yeah. And, like, fine. But the minute that Peter was the one who went bananas over her death and not Nebula, I was like, why are you forcing this? It's so yeah. weird. And the fact that they have to kill, they didn't understand the, like, how it was going to be seen that you kill Nebula or you kill Gamora to motivate Thanos and Peter. Like, come on. Yeah. 
that just um and if the like any justification would be oh well you know maybe her death's not permanent we don't know but like okay it's on screen though it's like it's on screen and like a comic like this is an argument i make about like single issue comics all the time when you are begging us to cover a, a a piece of media we can like when it comes out because covering anything right. what, at its release date is the most powerful. We can only judge based on what we yes. have in front of us. Agreed. So yeah, and like that's what I always say about comics. Like, oh, just wait and see. No, no, wait and beg see. us. You beg us to cover this stuff. Um, so we're going to react to what's in front of us, not like waiting and seeing what you might do right. with it. Like that's the nature of serialized storytelling. Yes. And that's. Ugh. Sorry, I get, I get, I get worked up about but, that. Okay, okay, let's change. Oh no, go ahead. But I was wait, gonna. I do want to say yeah. the Red Skull reveal was amazing. Oh, I, love that. I love that. I was like, what the fuck? Every like, single person in my theater was like, what? I love that. Also, oh my god. Apparently, it wasn't Hugo Weaving. They got someone who sounded exactly like Hugo Weaving. Was it Hugo Weaving? That no. makes me sad. I know. I guess he didn't. Maybe he didn't have time. Maybe he couldn't do it. I don't know. But um. Yeah, if you look... Well, the guy sounded exactly like Hugo Weaving. Yeah, he was really good, but that was... like, the same, like, figure, like, you know, because Hugo Weaving's very skinny. Yes, it was such a good reveal, because no one saw it coming! It's, yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, It was so good. I, like, can't get over it. I, like, I almost screamed. Like, I was in a... I love, and I love um, going to theaters out here, because the audience is always very quiet. And I like a very quiet movie experience because, you know, I understand people liking like cheering and stuff like that in the theater. But like you miss dialogue and you miss stuff when that happens. So like it's always very quiet. But when that scene, everyone gasped. Everyone was like, oh, yeah, because like, no. What? Yeah, it was um, this guy named Ross Marquand. Well, he did very he well. He did a really good job. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, that so was so smart because then also so I was like. Do I remember how Captain America, the first Avenger, ended? <laughs> right? Huh? Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in so long. I haven't seen Ryan, it in so long. I, I like, couldn't really remember how the Red Skull... He touched the stone. He touched the stone, right? And you assume he died. But no, he became a wraith. Oh, it was so um, cool. It was so cool. I haven't even looked at the notes I wrote down to see if there's anything that I like, wanted whatever. to talk about. <laughs> Uh, uh, changing tactics a little, talking to talk about like Doctor Strange and uh, Benedict yes. Wong a little bit, um, or BD Benedict Wong. Yeah, Benedict. Benedict I get them Wong. BD Wong. Benedict Wong. Benedict um, Wong. So Benedict Wong is still alive, presumably. Yeah, because he's protecting. And, we didn't see him, Ash. Presumably, yeah, he's alive. And they have a. Um, they have access to alternate reality. You know, like. True. I think it's like that's that's a thing I forgot to mention when we were talking about how you know they could retcon it. So that is one way. But also, the last two movies, Doctor or not Doctor Strange, huh, um, Thor Ragnarok, and this have done a lot to improve Doctor Strange's character. I agree. They like. I don't think he is strong enough to carry his own movie. Like if they have a seat, like I have. You haven't seen Doctor Strange. I have you seen tried the- watching it a couple weeks it's ago. Terrible. I've and I had it. to. It's just so dated. It feels like it came out like a year after Iron Man. Iron Man. Yeah, because it's just a rehash of Iron it's Man right, 1 in a different which way. Which is why I thought it was really, really smart to pair 
Star-Lord, Strange, and Tony together. Yeah. Because I, they're all, like, shitty, egotistical people. So yes. I, I, it was a nice moment of, like, self-awareness from the MCU of, like, we understand that they're all terrible. Yeah. And we're going to show you how they all start to realize that they're terrible together. I think I think this, did a, this movie and... And uh, Thor Ragnarok was the beginning, but this movie did a lot for the character, I like agree. just making him more palatable and mm-hmm. making him more because he's terrible in the Doctor. He's Ugh, just, I couldn't like, even Tony get through is, it. Tony is super arrogant, um, but he has his moments. Like he has yeah. his moments where you like him, and that's why he's able to been able to centerpiece so many movies. Doctor Strange does not have his well, moments he, up until I, now. Tony benefited from like it was two thousand eight when Iron Man came out. Yeah. It was like, you know, that's 10 years ago. He's, if you, if, if Iron Man came out now with the exact same plot that it had then, I would be <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you're going to demonize this journalist for sleeping with you and she's going to be the yeah. bad guy? Uh-uh. You're a piece of shit. I don't yeah. care about you. You know, it, it benefited from being a little bit earlier than yeah, the mainstream conversation, right? Yeah. Like, not saying that it's fine because it happened then. It's just as viewers, no. we... You're going to react to things differently. Exactly. So he benefited a little bit. I still was really hoping he would die. Like, I'm over Tony. Oh, I'm ready for Tony to die. Like, when, like, when I am absolutely Thanos 100% stabbed him. Ready for... Yeah, I was I like, was oh like <gasps> I had a moment of like, oh my god, they're going to kill him. And then they didn't. And I was like, ugh. Yeah. Fine. But like that's what I was like. I I'm ready, and not to say I hate the character. I think he's, but I think mm-hmm. he's served his purpose, and I'm ready to like. I just I'm ready to I move sort on. Of hate the character. I know. I don't think I hate him, but I just I, I hate him he because he hates so many of the problems that they face. Right. I I just the reason I hate the character is at this point is because he hasn't had the character growth I think that a character who has been in these films for 10 years should have had. Tony is making the same mistakes in Avengers that he made in Ultron, that he made in, like, he makes the same in Civil War. It's the same mistake every time, and it's the mistake of hubris, which, like, how many times that it's the same mistake he made in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming that was never recognized as a mistake, and I'm still mad about it. Like, Peter was not at fault in Homecoming. Like, Tony was at fault for not listening to him and not telling him that he was being listened to. Like, that was the issue in Homecoming. And so it frustrates me that this character, like, if you want to talk about character growth, where is Tony's character growth? He had growth in the first Iron Man movie when he was like, maybe we shouldn't be making and selling weapons. The third Iron Man movie was not great, but the growth is interesting where he deals with PTSD. Like, oh, that's an yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. storyline for him. I forgot But about yeah, that. I agree. In terms of the Avengers movie, and I think, honestly, he has suffered from not having, because a lot of this character growth does happen in the standalone movies. Yeah. Um, and he has also just been the foil for a lot of these ensemble right. movies. And the character has suffered, And but you're, I mean, that's a storytelling decision. And if the char- character's suffering, maybe it's time to put him out of his suffering. Exactly. Like, <laughs> you- because there's only so far you can take a character like Tony Stark and like Iron Man, right? He is who he is. Yeah. And I get it. And that's... Iron Man's not my favorite character in the comics either. Like, yeah, Civil like War 
the comic event Civil War ruined the character for me because I'm like, yeah. once you go fascist, you never go back, right? I wish I could have thought of a line that rhymed with fascist, but I can't. So, whatever. But, like, uh, I just am ready for him to retire and be like, I don't want to be an Avenger anymore. Yeah, I would much rather see him die than Cap die. Yes! And I know that's not... Cap is going to die. Like, it's just... With the pro the, the the him not aging is a real problem for the Marvel. Like, I kind the- of, I kind of hope they do the comics thing where they make him a really old man. Steve Rogers, I would be up. Give for that. me old Steve uh, Rogers. I'm into it. But I think the one thing everybody agreed on was that Cap was going to die in this movie. So that was a really actually pleasant. Surprise. I didn't think he was going to die. I, I really I didn't. I was like, they have another movie. Like they can't. They're not going to kill Cap off. Like I was like, he might die in Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, I could. I didn't think he was gonna die in this one. This is that what you think the next movie is called? Yeah, I think um, Zoe, uh, what do you call it? Saldana. Saldana said it in um, an interview. She said it in an interview, and then they backtracked. But who knows? But I'm just calling it Infinity Gauntlet. I don't know if that's true or not. But um, I, I really, really, I have to say, I thought Chris Evans was like such a delight in this movie. Like, we didn't get enough of him, I thought, but, like, that first sequence when he shows up in, like, they're in Scotland, right? To save um, Vision yeah, and to Scarlet save Vision Witch. Of that fight is so good. Like, I was having so many feelings. And, like, I'm not a huge Captain America fan. Like, I I think his movies, Winter Soldier is amazing, Civil War is the same, amazing, but those but aren't necessarily... they're not necessarily, cap movies. Right. They're not, movie, they're I, not amazing because cap, they're Cap first, movies. Ca- cap First Avenger is probably one of my least favorite Marvel movies. It was fine. I like Like it's just it's pretty far down there. Like it was just a fine movie, right? It I like fun Thor, movie. I would say I like Thor 2 better than Cap First Avenger, but we all know that that doesn't mean much coming from me. <laughs> I, I like was Thor like, 2 better than a lot of Marvel I, movies. I will not I won't say that out loud. <laughs> um but I think Chris Evans has done a lot for the character. Oh yeah. He is really good as the character, and I think he is very compelling, and they've written compelling stories around right. him. He has benefited from, like, compelling. really having strong movies that, because they involve so much of the rest of the MCU, they don't... He doesn't feel as stagnant as Iron Man. Yeah. Because Iron Man's growth has been very guilt-centric. It's been very much about his guilt and his inability to, like, balance the guilt with his um egoism yeah ego uh, whatever and cap has had growth in the like he was very like there's a right and there was a wrong but he started to see the gray in between mm-hmm. and i think that's what makes him so interesting is like like when he shows up in uh the avengers new home wherever in upper upstate new york uh, and Rhodey is kind of like, well, that's a court martial. I loved that moment of Cap being like, look, we're here. We got to do this. We're going to do yeah. it. I just, oh, and, and Chris Evans looked so good. Yeah, his hair was really nice. His hair was so good. I was and like, I loved, I loved, I loved that scene between Thor and Chris Evans where he's like, you grew a beard like you, me. You, 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 you like, like, I loved that. that was, I loved, I will say one thing I loved about this movie is it was funny. Because it, it so needed funny. that. Because it's such a dark movie. But it balanced it. So, like, something I say about the Harry Potter movies sometimes is that 
David Yates, when he he directed the last four, and what he he does he did this thing that really pissed me off, where he wouldn't let you feel feelings. He would cut the tension too early. Yeah, you could never sit in your feelings. This movie, I thought, balanced it beautifully, where you like were having these emotions. It let you sit with the emotions for like as long as you needed before it introduced the joke. Yeah. Like I and the joke that. often didn't come in the heavy moments. No. There were lighthearted moments and there were heavy moments, and the show, the movie yeah. was able to. I just I thought I laughed so much and I was so happy because at the end of the day I go to these movies to like fun. I don't I, I go to movies to enjoy. I don't see a lot of movies in theater, and when I do, I want to enjoy yeah. myself, especially <laughs> with Marvel movies. All right, so. I do think the moment, one of the moments I laughed the hardest, like, of course, the Tony and Pi- Spider-Man and the like, what do you say? He's like, we're trying to save a, we're, we're trying to stop a necklace from getting stolen by a wizard in space. Like, stuff yeah. like that was funny. But, like, one of the parts I laughed the hardest was when Star-Lord, the, the, ma- the mania that happens when, like, the... Guardians of the Galaxy oh and my God, like start I was fighting. Say, there's one line in there that made me lose but it. But like they're like Star Lord has has Spider Man hostage and Mantis goes, We're kicking names and taking ass. But um, then yeah. it it pans back to Star Lord and Peter and they both are basically staring directly at the camera. It's like dead silent and Spider Man's eyes go open real wide and then narrow a little and then open again and I laughed so hard because <laughs> it was like we're you right now like, yeah we are you and we get it like I was dying it, my favorite line of the movie it's the same scene when Doctor Strange goes what master do you serve I know. <laughs> and like, what am I supposed to say to that Jesus I loved it just oh, so good so I good died. I laughed like I had tears coming out of my eyes at that, that one. And, and, and so when um, when Drax is talking about the so dance off, and he's like, Spider Man's like, like in Footloose, and and yeah. Cole goes, Yeah, is this still the best movie ever? And he goes, It never was. <laughs> like that, the Star Lord, that dynamic between like Star Lord, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, so like good. that. That that um, um, Spider Man that dynamic was so good and it was really necessary because it did provide a lot of the comic relief of the movie. It which, did because whatever. you needed. I uh, I've been waiting for the moment where like Spider Man is there and he's really good at what he does, but he's all heart and like like when he's trying to save everybody, he's like, I don't know your name, but I'm so gonna save. Yeah, you. that was, was really like, oh, sweet. I, you're so you're so. He's like he wants to be part of a team and he wants to know everyone's names and everyone to be friends and go out and for like shawarma you know like that's like, the person he Tom is Holland's face when Tony just sort of offhandedly is like alright you're an Avenger and he gets this like super proud look and then this like immediate like oh shit and then but yeah. just then again like really happy and I thought that was such a like lovely little moment oh, I just thought he was really good like I did. I did like the more I think about it, the more I really did like this movie. And then Peter Dinklage, we haven't talked about. Oh Peter God, Dinklage right, that whole I didn't, sequence. I knew he was in it. Like I yeah. heard, and I was like, what? Like I'd months ago, though. Actually, I've forgotten. And then, like, I lean over to Ryan. I'm like, is that Peter Dinklage? And well, Ryan's the like, they were like, we're gonna go to the dwarves to forge this new weapon. And I was like, oh. But I loved how they did it. Like, I loved making him this like giant um, dwarf who and the Groot. Okay, so 
the holy trinity of this movie for me is Thor, Groot, and Rocket. Because that they, were, was, they were so, so good. good together. And Rabbits! Like, like, I loved when Thor was like, when he's like, you see Groot? He's like, yeah, I took it an elective on Asgard. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> that moment, like, too. When, like, also, that, Groot, that implies, because doesn't Groot think he's alone? Yeah, but there's so, there was some, that, well, there was someone, presumably dead. Asgard's gone. Well, yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah, that implies that there were That implies more. that there are more somewhere. Somewhere. Um, but like the moment also when... But he's also 1,500 years old, so he hasn't taken, you know. So maybe. Mm-hmm. But like in the battle when he's like, I am Groot. <laughs> Steve stops and goes, I am Steve Rogers. I'm going to die! <laughs> such, so such a, you want to talk about like Ernest, like it's so... Like, God, it's like like, I am Steve Rogers. It was such a good way to get across the like language joke from Ultron without being so like Steve is an old fuddy duddy. It was still that moment of like, oh no, Steve still sometimes like is just so kind and so like I loved it. So good that moment. Three of them together is so funny because you know he's it's it's Chris Hemsworth acting with like. A bunch of like people dressed in in green. Yeah, it's like Sean Dunn, and I don't even know who does the Groot motion I, capture. I, I looked it up. I can't remember his name. Um, and with with Peter Dinklage too, presumably yes. was another like person in all green or <laughs> a tennis. I mean, even, I don't know how they did it. Like if they did, like I'm not. Sure. I'm guessing they did motion capture and just like blew him up. I but... yeah, I don't really know, but it was really. When he's like, I loved like every part of that sequence because you have Rocket and Groot who are like so science based, with Thor who's like l- gods and legends and whatever, and them being like, "What is happening?" No, that was good. I the team ups, the choice of team ups in this so uh, movie strong. were good. Like they they picked people with really good. Right. I mean, the weakest of them was like Wakanda, just because you didn't get nearly as much screen time there, yeah. like with Cap, all of them at Wakanda. It was just and too they much. were also like in dealing with a problem in a way that the other two storylines were not. Like, of course, they're all dealing with the same problem, Thanos, but like with dealing with the vision and their friend's life in danger, mm-hmm. it was just it was just a different tone. Yeah, I agree. It was. And it was also so indicative of how they would deal with the problems. Like, Cap is like, we're going to go. We're going to get a team. We're going to figure out how we can fight this shit head on, right? And Thor, Thor is just like, like I'm going to take the rabbit and go. Right. Thor is like, we're going to make sure we have something that can beat them. And we're going to work on it. And Tony's like, I'm going to figure like, out a really smart plan. When he, when Thor shows up, like, and like, the oh, look so on good. Oh, oh, like, so good. Chris so Hemsworth, good. I'm telling you, Chris Hemsworth is the best part of this movie. He was so, I I am so happy that we've got to watch him go from like, I like the first Thor movie. I think it's really fun. The first Thor movie this, too. The That's probably one, where my love for the second Thor movie second stems from. not my favorite. Second, first Thor movie is a very like classical movie yes. in some way, yes. which makes sense because Kenneth Branagh was directing. Right. Well, Kenneth oh, Branagh. I always forget that Kenneth. Branagh yeah, it's so weird. It's such a weird thing. It. Like it's, I love that movie so. Like I just really like those movies a lot. Uh, yeah, he um, was I, really. It's it's a fun movie. The second movie and the second movie, I don't have in. They're not necessarily 
fun in the way that like Thor Ragnarok was, right. though, which is, yeah. I understand that's yes. a very valid criticism and they're a little bit, they take themselves very seriously. Yes. And my issue with the second movie is not Chris Hemsworth. It's really oh, storylines. The storyline's weird. Story weird. I didn't think, um, oh my God. Natalie Portman? No, the villain. Oh, the dark elf. The dark elf. What's his, what's the actor's name? I don't remember his name. Um, also from Doctor Who, but uh, I didn't think he was Malekith. Malekith um, was a great villain. Oh, I don't think so either. He's much more. He's a better villain in the comics, but it was it was just not my favorite. But I really thought they've pulled. Oh, it's the, not. It's not most people's favorites. Like to be fair, I don't think it's actually like objectively a good movie. I just. Like have it. a soft it's spot in your heart for yeah, it. Yeah, I do. Like, I do. But, like, it's one of those movies I'm happy to put on, like, rewatch in the background when I'm like... Yeah. But the journey that Chris Hemsworth has gone on with Thor has just been such... It's been an upward trajectory, it feels like. Where it's like, I thought he was... As much as I dislike Ultron, I thought Thor was great in Ultron. Yeah. I thought he was great in the first Avengers movie. Um, I thought... <laughs> You know, he's yeah. just kind of gone up for up and up and up for me, and just it's really culminated in this movie of like he was just so good, and and the pairing. I thought the writing for his character was so strong because it did pull a lot from Ragnarok oh. and what Taika Waititi did with the character, but it it gave him the grief we needed to see because Ragnarok yeah, it's like, all action focused. It's all like you don't really get to see him mourning as much because there is this thing happening that he has to deal with. Yeah. And you see that their mourning is underneath, but he's like, there's another thing. I, but right. this, like in this movie makes it like in that movie also, he's just mourning his father right. and then what he was possibly doing to his people, but he doesn't know. Right. In this movie, like there's a lot of fallout and you see it in that moment that we discussed earlier with rocket where it's just like, he Ugh. just, Grief becomes bare, but that then moment, he just like, like broke right. my heart. It was like I gotta go through this stuff. Like really, he's like every- honestly, the two points that I almost cried. Usually, I cry at everything, and I and if that woman hadn't ruined the scene, I feel like I would have cried when Peter died because I'm a sucker. But like the two moments I teared up was like the scene with Rocket and and um, Thor, and the scene with Rocket losing Groot again and having to watch Groot oh, disappear yeah. again. That I was, was hard. just like that, that was, was the only <gasps> scene of all those deaths where there was a reaction in my theater. Because, yeah. like I said, there it was very quiet. There's no um, like like it's just it's just like the audience, the theater I go to, the audience is always very quiet for these movies, which I like. But like everyone was like, oh yeah, there was. Like, I mean, there were a lot of rea- There was a lot of like applause and cheering in my theater, myself included. I got really excited when everybody showed up. Like yeah. when to chat when, when they went to some, Wakanda, like, like people lost their shit in my theater. I expected people to cheer, but like I I don't know. And I am a very quiet theater goer because uh, I like that. So that's why I that's why I go to that theater for I'm these movies. The opposite of that. <laughs> I like quiet. This is why I like this is why I like never go to the theater. <laughs> uh, but uh yeah, yeah it, no. It was I'm trying to think of what else we've missed. I, there's just so much in this movie. Yeah. I thought Drax was really funny. Like mm-hmm. um, Dave Batista, I thought was just really he's good. just so good. But then good, and he's he he was he got a little misogynist, uh, misogynistic. He, I don't know, just just generally. Un, I didn't love him in Guardians. 2. No, Guardians two because there were some lines and there was some. Even in Guardians one, he had the like yeah. 
poor line, which you're like, but, like it got worse in Guardians too. Yes, it and did. This movie, there was not much of that um, that no, I noticed. They, they pulled so. back on that, which was nice. But you still, even with him, like the moment where he's like going to go for Thanos, like I appreciated that we still see that in him. It's not all comic relief. Like you got moments of real <laughs> anger. Um, yeah, I liked that a lot. I liked. I'm. I. I think we needed more from Black Widow. Like, mm, yeah, I would have liked to see more from her. Because, like, I know a lot of people don't like her, don't like Scarlett Johansson as her, don't like blah blah blah. I I will say I like her. I think she's. I think she. I like her. Like I don't know. It's pro- probably controversial at this point to say that, but I do, and I want to see more of her. I like the character. I don't yeah. care about Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett, yeah, I agree. Like, I think Scarlett Johansson plays her well, and I like the character. I like the character. I like the the moments of like intrigue we've had from her character and because yeah. she doesn't have her own solo movie and she's not getting her own solo movie yeah she is when it's in, it's in development oh but like not anytime soon yeah like phase three phase four yeah we're not getting a black widow movie anytime soon and i think it's going to be a prequel right so the only like, growth and story we get from her are in these team-ups and in but these like get, big movies she gets a lot like she exactly. got so much growth in cap too yeah that's what i mean is like we get it so that when you don't get it in what is supposed to be the finale of these like big movies and it focused so much on wanda i was like oh could we have yeah. like even that out a little bit and gotten more from black widow like I just- like I said, I just don't care about Wanda. I just it was just hard for me that they spent so much time on her and it's because she she and Vision and Thor are arguably the most powerful Avengers. Yeah. And yeah. they had to figure out a way to like break her Hulk too and Hulk. Yeah, physical yeah. strength. Physical strength wise, yes. And they had to figure out how to incapac- incapacitate incapacitate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thanks. Right. Uh enough where Thanos could get all the stones. Yeah. But it was just too much Scarlet Witch for me. I think we could have done with, yeah, I think. She got, like, four big fights. And then, like, this movie had a lot of stop agonizing over the thing and do it for me. Yeah, I Um, Like, when she was, like, arguing with Vision on whether to kill him, it's like, like, well, Thanos is going to kill him anyway. So just fucking do it. Just fucking do it. Like, I know it's hard and I know it's terrible, but you've been preparing yourself emotionally for this for a while now. Like, it's either he dies at the hands of this, you know, like, genocidal maniac and the genocidal maniac will become more powerful or he dies at your hands. And you just fucking do it. Like, the Quill Gamora thing, I didn't feel that way because, like, he had emotionally prepared himself for that moment. Like, he promised her, but had not... And, like, when he realized that didn't bother me as much. It only bothered me because I'm like, it should have been Nebula. Uh, but um, <laughs> the um, Quill, like the, uh, but that, that, the just general, like her character felt, again, I guess, and I'm not sure we don't know this is characteristic of her because just we don't know a lot about her character, but she felt very passive again. Yes, same, I agree. Like, same problem. I and agree. I don't know if that's a, her character, if she is a passive person or not because she hasn't been well developed. Maybe she is passive and that's the person she is. But it just felt uninteresting. Yeah, I agree. Like, like I don't know. I, I just didn't fi- don't find her interesting. And that's a lot of the reason why. Like, I think she's just, 
uninteresting. I yeah. Don't know. And I think that, like, I know you said you think Vision's death is final. I don't know if I, it is because of I, how much time they spent on explaining that Vision's not just in the stone, that there's yeah. parts of it. He is a makeup of Bruce and Tony and Jarvis. And, and they bring him back to life. And yeah. So, like, I don't know. Maybe. Um, I don't know. It's a good point. Yeah. So, like, maybe they're gonna and they're gonna bring him back. Um, I will say, I hope they don't bring any everybody back, only because this movie has. Okay, for multiple reasons. First, this movie has to. This is a big event. This is a big yeah. thing. It's supposed to reset the Marvel universe. It needs to have some emotional heft. That's why I I worry at the, but... at the end. Second, yeah, we need to um, just these actors are expensive and the MCU is so big. And at some point you're going to start having the problem of, well, if you're dealing with this problem here, why aren't these eight other people here? And right. it's not well, gonna make, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, because like Chris, Chris Evans is contract is up. We yeah, no, he's done. Um, and maybe that's why, maybe they left all the original Avengers alive. That's why I to, think, because they like, killed all the Guardians. Every, like, right? No, the, no Rocket might still be around. But, Rocket's still around. Everybody else is gone. But so maybe it's a thing where all of the, but, but all of the original Avengers. Oh my original God, Avengers, the original Avengers and Rocket? Yes. Like, but all of the original, <laughs> it's like original Avengers, it's Rocket, like, okay, Akoya so Mbaku and... Um, who the is it? Don Cheadle, Iron Patriot. The last movie and Mark Ruffalo is no, going to be called Rocket's Revenge. <laughs> but um, no, somebody... I think maybe there's something to do with these people, or some of these people are going to sacrifice themselves to bring back some yeah, of the people. I agree. I think there's going like, to be real death at the real death in the next at, movie. at the end of the Avengers Four. Yeah, um, and I do think, like I said, Loki and Heimdall. I'm, Heimdall, I do think that's permanent. Unless they keep Thor around, which I don't I don't know what they're gonna do with I think Thor. Chris Hemsworth is actually you. super happy being Thor right now. I am happy to have super or to, to have Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Right. I think um, he's like really I don't I don't think he's reached Chris Evans level of being done doing these movies or like um Robert Downey Jr.'s level of being done with these movies. I feel like Chris Hemsworth is like coming into his own and being like, this yeah. is actually super fun and I have a really good time doing it. Um, so maybe he'll stick around. I don't but know. But if he sticks around, like him and Loki play so well off each other, it yeah. would just it would be a shame to not bring Loki back somehow. But I think it's got to be, I really, I think it would be so cool for them to cast like a woman and have her I think be it would, Loki. And it I could think be it would really be very- awesome. Um, but. The I hate to lose Tom Hiddleston. No, no, no. Um, Heimdall. I hate to lose. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I just I don't think that he's coming back. I know, but it makes me so sad. I know. I love. I'm like that was the hardest death for the movie of me. Maybe this Loki. I like, but like he's also a genocidal maniac. Right. He like like let's not forget like he started out as a really shitty villain. Yeah. And then has been like reduced to comic relief. Um, at this point, but like, I am fine with him dying. I'm going to be honest. Like, if yes. he comes back as a woman, I'm fine with that. But I'm fine with Loki being Loki's being done just well. The, bene- the the good thing about Loki is that he can be everything. Yeah, the character can uh, but, be everything they need right. him to be. He's the god. Like, I'm going to plug 
Loki agent of Asgard again because I think everyone should read it because it is a feat of storytelling but it's also a feat of characterization because it gives you this malleable character who's malleable within one story is everything he's the villain mm-hmm. he's the hero he's he's the side character he's the motivation all in one story Loki is all parts and is still a true character even though he's playing all parts or they're playing all yeah. parts it's so good and it's it shows you the potential of what the character can be and i want that loki in yeah. the mcu because i think it would I'd make for it. so I w- it would just make it so interesting um but heimdall i think that's the emo- that's kind of the emotional right like, that was the emotional punch. He's a- yeah, and then um, I mean Loki was too because a lot of people love him. But right. like that, 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 those two deaths set the stakes of this movie. Yes. I think, and, they, and so I, I agree with you. I don't think they're coming back. I think they yeah, are dead, um, dead. the rest of them I think is negotiable. Yeah, I agree. Which some of them we just know are coming back, and then some of them it's like, oh well, they could like, but mm-hmm. um, I think it kind um, of. Also, I need to see Ned to make sure Ned is okay. Oh yeah, poor Ned who yeah. like didn't even hesitate when Peter was like, I need a distraction. No hesitation. Well, I I think his, I don't think it was that no hesitation. He noticed what Peter noticed and he has no chill. But I think it's both. Ned like, is like, I'm in it. it. I'm here for you. I'm your guy in a chair. Um, I did I like, I did like the moment where, uh, Peter shows up on the spaceship and Tony's like, you did not think this through. And he's like, I did think it through. Really did not. It was so cute. Poor Peter. Poor it was a good, it had a lot of great moments. I did, and so that's yeah. what I say. Overall, I liked it. I just, I'm reserved. Honestly, I'm just, because res- if I have to judge it based on the movie it is now, I'm going to say I didn't love it. But right, I think same. that'll change once I see the second half. It's because it is unlike a lot of these movies. It is truly half a film yeah it is is. absolutely it's it's, it's truly half a film in a way that maybe like the last jedi was not like the last jedi was a full film even though it ended on a little bit of a cliffhanger like oh i mean there are full storylines that happen yeah this movie there are not right and so it is like genuinely half a film and every plot thread is dangling every single one and so I am choosing to, like, I am going to comment on the representation issues like Gamora as if it is a film film because it's what I have in front of me. But I will wait to comment on the storytelling yeah. from beginning to end, of the, like, until... We see the second half in May of next year. Right. Oh, because, like, so they just... are I know. I know it is. They um, should have done it, like, six months in between, I honestly. think it would have been nice if it, it had been like, this and then... Like this, yeah, I, then give us two in December. Yeah. Or, like, um, or November, whatever. Yeah. I agree. Like, doing a year in between these movies is a lot. Like, it's a lot. And, like, both Ant-Man, I think I read, takes place sort of, like, before, before this. Yeah. and a little bit during. And mm-hmm. then Captain Marvel, of course, is way 90s. before. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, I guess. Okay, I think that's, that's it. it. Hour and thirty-five minutes. Like not, that's, just, that's so bad. Not that's great. Too shabby. It's fine. That's fine. Okay, so let's really quick. We're going to talk about like what we're into. Oh, so God, what are you I interested? forgot there's more. Yep. <laughs> uh, there's more. So right now, I am very, very, for whatever reason, putting myself through watching the last season of Once Upon a Time. 
If you're not familiar with Once Upon a Time, it is uh, a TV show on ABC that is, you know, ABC is owned by Disney. So it's about fairy tale characters um, in the real world and in the like fairy tale world. And it's ridiculous. Everyone's a terrible actor, but I desperately love it. And this is the last season. So I just watched like caught up on like three seasons worth. And I'm currently watching Cinderella, not who doesn't know she's Cinderella, grapple with Mother Gothel. It's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want like some trash fairy tale TV, this is the way to go. Uh, the other television show that I'm going to say a shout out for is called Deception. And I can't remember if I talked about it on this show or not. Maybe. I honestly don't remember. I can't either. Because you talked about it with me. So I. Because I remember. love it. Because I love magic. And this show is like. It is like Magician Impossible. It is a famous magician who partners with the FBI to help them solve crimes. And of course, everything involves magic. And there is like a real life magician consultant on the show. So every magic trick they do like could conceivably be done in real life. If you like shows like White Collar, like this is the follow up to White Collar. It is on ABC. It is amazing. I'm really nervous it's going to get canceled. Please watch it. It's also super diverse. Like, and it has um, Vinnie Jones on it, who you may know from Guy Ritchie movies or the show Gallivant. It's so good. I love it so much. Deception on ABC, Sunday nights. And the last Um, thing. Wait, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. The last thing is Last Shot. I'm reading uh, the Han and Lando book by Daniel Jose Older that came out Mm -hmm. last week, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And it is making me care about the solo movie. That's like, good. It's good. It's it's bananas because I was like, I've always been like, whatever, like land. I'm gonna watch it, but like I don't really have any skin in the game, so to speak. But this movie is making me not only care about Lando because I already cared about Lando, but it's making me care about like Baby Han Aww. in a way that I didn't think I would. But like, it's so good. It's just such a fun book absolutely pick it up if you if you're not interested in solo pick up last shot because it'll get you excited like when they played the solo trailer at an infinity war it was the first time i've seen the trailer since starting the book and i was like oh mm-hmm. i i am engaged with this i am nice. kind of excited and now i need to know when tickets go on sale for solo and that's it who knew um okay i'll do mine really quick um star trek discovery season two there's a new teaser if you have not watched season one yet don't watch the teaser (laughs) don't do it but if you have it's really good there's a lot of easter eggs on like what what to expect what's coming i mean i you guys all know at this point how i feel about the show like i live for this show um there's also just been a lot of interesting casting stuff um like lately like tignatara is gonna be Oh, like yeah. cameo in the second season, uh, Alan Van Spring, I think, who I really like from um, Rain and the Tudors, is going to be in the second season. Um, I think he's going to be in the second season. There was a cut scene with Michelle Yeoh at the end of season one, um, basically um, that has him like recruiting her for Section Thirty One. Which, if you're a big Star Trek fan, you know what that is. Big deal. Very cool. Um, Anyway, so a lot of really cool stuff happening in the season two teaser. So check that out if you have seen season one and you're excited. 
Uh, also, uh, Timeless is back, which it's been back for a few weeks now, and I'm just really behind. But uh, now I'm catching up on it. And I am just also giving it a shout out because the struggle to get it renewed for season two was a like it was a big deal. Like it got canceled and then renewed after fan reaction. So if you are interested in it, the entire I think the first two seasons, like the first season and the second season so far are on Hulu. So you can catch up. Um, it's a fun show. Um, I really like it anyway. Um, so watch okay. it that's yep timeless watch, these watch shows it so, so that we can keep watching them yep exactly <laughs> um okay so what are you up to right now personally what do you got personally professionally <laughs> like what am i up to um this is this is our new try we're trying to do a new segment where we talk about ourselves more because we don't talk about ourselves enough on this podcast <laughs> uh what am i up to um i Ha- my the book I'm in is coming out in a, in two months basically mm-hmm. exactly we really appreciate pre-orders it's called a thousand beginnings and endings I put a teeny tiny sneak peek on my Twitter oh, um, so good. for you to see where I make some great multilingual puns um, and I am on sci-fi writing about Jessica Jones writing about Archie and Bollywood um, I think that's all I'm working on right now um I'll have a Luke Skywalker piece coming out from May the 4th. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I I was involved with the brainstorming of this and I'm very <laughs> excited um, for this piece. And I think that's truly it. Pretty sure. Um I am oh, I've had some Space articles come out some different places re- recently. I wrote about satellites for the week. I'm still writing it, of course, Engadget about space and tech and all that. As always, um, I've had some. I have some articles coming up on sci-fi. I kind of things have been overwhelming, and I hadn't been writing as much, and so I'm kind of back to regularly writing there. Um, I guested on a episode of Liftoff podcast, which is a space podcast, and so you can check me out just talking about what's going on in space. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, doing yeah, a lot. I think that's it. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, we're gonna plug the. Um, uh, we're part of the um, hard. We're part of the Nerds of Color podcast network. Um, the and we love our fellow podcasts. We love being part of this network. Um, do really good work generally. Um, the Hard Knock Life. Uh, the Southern, one of the podcasts is Southern Fried Asian, Asians, in which Keith Chow interviews. Um, different Asian people about Southern American culture and their experiences mm-hmm. in it. And he just got Manny Jacinto. Which is you... from The Good Place. Yeah, from The Good Place, who plays Jason Mendoza, which is amazing. So definitely check that out. Mm-hmm. And if you're uh, in Baltimore this weekend at Y Comic Con, please say hi to our fellow nerds of color. Yeah. People, and um, Keith specifically, because he's awesome. Because he has he's amazing and he is he is Keith is good people. That's that's yes. all I'll say. He's good um, people. He is good people. Um, okay, so thank you to our Patreon guy. Like we say this every time, but we are overwhelmed by your generosity and we really appreciate it. So um, thank you to Fazia and Meredith Smith at the $10 level and Martha, Brandy, Rahul, GeekHeartGames.com, Jordan, Annie, Megan, Claire, Brian, Robert, Guy3, Maya, and the Knot family at the $5 level. And I just realized I didn't um, check to see if there were any changes. So I profusely apologize if you have pledged in the past few weeks and I did not change that we will check on that um you can find us on twitter at Daisy Geek Girls uh, and I, I am, am... <laughs> yeah, sorry we read off the script and usually pre this part and, and I, I did of... it 
Uh, so I am at Run With Skizzers. And I am at S. Krishna. Um, I always, please, as always, please rate us on iTunes. Tell your friends about us. Um, we we love hearing from you guys. So you guys can always send us a note uh, at the... No, daisygeekgirls at gmail.com, like, at daisygeekgirls. We like to hear what you guys think, so let us know. Um, Until next time, we'll we'll see you in a year and a half.